way through and uh, verse by verse studying the scriptures together and enjoying that. Last week, you had a break from the book of James with the blessing of having our revival meeting. Uh, Pastor Jake Potter from Eufaula Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina was with us, he and his wife, and uh, we had a wonderful, wonderful revival meeting, and it was a tremendous blessing. Uh, everyone that uh, was able to, uh, to be a part of it, I'm sure uh, you, uh, you can say that the Lord blessed and the Lord spoke to your heart during the services. And if you missed it, hey, listen, I've got uh, a, a couple of things. Listen, okay, it's, it's never as good as, as, as the real thing, okay? It just, it just isn't. It's like Bubba Cola compared to real Coke, okay? It's just not as good, all right? But, but listen, you can still get it, okay? And so uh, thankfully, we, we, through the technology and things that we have, we, we do have a podcast that you can go back and you can listen to, so you can listen to the revival meeting. We recorded the whole thing. We also have it on our YouTube. We have it on our Facebook page. So you can go back and you can check it out. Go back and listen to the messages. And I'd encourage you to go back and do it. It was a help to me, your pastor, and uh, encouraged me. It helped me. And it'll help you as well. And so I hope that you'll take the time to go back and listen to it. Maybe you're like me and and you've got times during the week where you're working or you're doing something by yourself. And maybe you can put in some earphones or something and just be able to listen. Uh, Sunday afternoons, after we finish up with services and things, and and, uh, I go home, oftentimes my day that I mow the grass, all right? Uh, How many of you have a day that you mow the grass, okay? That's that's my time that I I mow the grass. And oftentimes it's just my time for about an hour and a half. I just throw in some earbuds and I'm just listening to a message or something just to feed me. And it just helps. Me. And so I hope you have times like that, that, uh, that you're just plugging in, listening uh, to, to preaching, listening to the Word of God, things like that to be a help to you. And I hope you'll go back and listen to those services. And even if you were there, go back and listen to them again. They'll help you, okay? James chapter number one is where we're at. Hey, listen, one of the things that I love preaching verse by verse through the Bible, preparing uh, books of the Bible and uh, preparing messages on books of the Bible and things like that is, listen, I'm not, I don't have anybody in mind when I come to passages. We just preach next chapter, next verse. And uh, if, if you show up and you say, man, you're preaching this message directly to me. Were you thinking about me? No, listen, I'm just preaching what the Bible says. And that's exciting. And this morning, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, I am thankful. Before we dive into it, I'm excited and thankful. Uh, Tress's uncle, our uncle Mark, is here with us this morning. And many of you know that just about two weeks, was it two weeks ago now? About two weeks ago, uh, they hit a cow at 80 miles an hour going down the interstate. And by the grace and miracle of God, they, they lived through it. That's, uh, that's a miracle. Now, their bodies are beat up. He's beat up pretty good, but what a blessing it is to, to see you come in, Uncle Mark. It was encouragement to me to watch you walk in this morning, a blessing, and uh, it's a miracle, and so I'm just thankful for that. So, hey, um, whew, James chapter number one, okay? Hey, let's do this. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we're going to read a couple of verses here this morning as we get started. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to open your word, to be able to hear from you, and God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, we, we need, need to hear from you. And God, we we came here not to hear from a man, Father, but to hear from your word. And so, God, I pray today that your word would be clear, that your word would have um, the the ability to be able to go out and to be able to pierce even the hardest ground of heart today and be able to find good soil that uh, it would be able to take hold and to grow out of our lives. I pray today for maybe one that's here, Father, that, that maybe has grown grown a little callous, Lord, even even over uh, their life, Lord. I pray that today would be the day that you would soften them, and God, that your, your seed of your word would, would find good soil to take good root. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that before they even walk out of this building today, that they would be able to find that confidence in you and have that confidence that they're going to spend eternity in heaven. Now, Lord, help me. You know I've already asked, but I ask again, Lord, help me, God, fill me with your spirit as I preach. Help me only say those things that you want me to say. Forget the things you don't want me to. And uh, I just pray, God, that everything that's said and done will bring you honor and glory. 
We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been working our way down through the book of of James chapter number one, and uh, we've we've worked verse by verse down through the scriptures, and uh, today we're, we we find our way all the way down to, to verse number nineteen. Now I want you to look real quick at that verse because we're going to actually have to do something. That that verse number nineteen of chapter number one, the very first word there says this: wherefore. Wherefore, okay, now uh, to get a full understanding uh, of what's going on here, here James, the half-brother of Jesus, pins this word, he says, wherefore, and and before we can understand what he's going to say in verses 19 through 21, we we have to ask the question, why is he saying wherefore? But there's a couple of words when you're reading the scriptures, when you're studying the Bible, when you see the words wherefore or therefore, you should ask the question, what are they therefore, okay, that's that's a good thing to do, and so uh, he says, says, wherefore, he says, based on what I just told you, it's kind of like if, if I brought you in today and I said, listen, because of that, your, your life could be in danger. Your next question would be like, because of what? What are you, what are you talking? Did I miss something? I mean, did you just jump ahead? What, what's going on here? No, uh, you'd say, because of what? All right, you need to know so, some context, some, 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 some pre-thought to be able to understand what, what's taking place uh, in these verses. And so, so James here, he writes, he says, wherefore? So for us to, to understand what he's about to say, we have to jump back a verse and, and really put things in context. So verse number 18 says this, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. I like this. You know, we, we could read this and we could just we could just stop, stop there when he talks about the, the, the word of, of truth. And, and, and the Bible tells us that it both gives us life and, and one day will glorify us. And what a wonderful thing that is. But, but let's dig a little deeper this morning. Let's not just be surface Christians, okay? Let's, let's dig in a little bit. What is he even talking about when he talks about the word of truth? What could it be? Well, we know that, uh, that James is, is writing this, and, and, and we know that for, for a period of time, for about 400 years, there was no scripture. It was kind of a silent period from the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament. There were about 400 years. And, and so maybe James, I mean, maybe he could have been pointing back and saying, okay, those, those previous you know, uh, years of a uh, thousand years or whatever it was of the writing of the Old Testament, maybe, maybe that's what he's referring to. But I don't think that's what he's talking about here. We know as well that James, the, the writer of this book, that this was the, the earliest New Testament book that was penned, okay? Now, the events of James maybe weren't the earliest. In fact, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, all of them took place, the events took place before James penned this. But this, James was the first one to actually sit down and, and take that quill and dip it in the ink and, and put pen to parchment and, and record a book of the New Testament. It was the earliest recorded book of the New Testament. So when James said this, the words of truth, the word of truth, he wasn't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, Acts, Romans, all, all, all of those. Why? Because they weren't written yet. So what was he talking about? Well, he was talking about the very words of Jesus. The very spoken words of, of Jesus. You see, Jesus himself said in John, or it was said about Jesus in, in John chapter number one, verse number one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, what is he talking about there? Well, he gives context. He, he explains it a little bit later in verse number 14. He says, And the Word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glories, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was the very Word of God. Every word that left His lips were life 
giving. Isn't that incredible? Jesus, the Word of God, spoke the Word of God. Now, now I've got news for you this morning. Oftentimes we say that the Scriptures are completed and that the Word of God is complete, but that's not true. Well, it is true, okay? I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, okay? But listen, the Bible tells us one day He's going to come back on a white horse and out of His mouth proceeds a sword... You know what that is? When he speaks, whatever he speaks, we don't know exactly what he's going to say, but whatever he says, I can tell you, it's, it's, it's whatever's left of the Word of God, because that's it, okay? That's, that's all it's going to say. Now listen, he's going to come back and, and at that battle of Armageddon, he's going to say something like, y'all be dead, okay? He probably won't say it like that, but he'll say, and, and the battle's over, okay? But, but listen, uh, whatever, whenever Jesus speaks, because he is the Word of God, whatever he says, you can mark it down, it is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Now here in the scriptures before us, James is pointing back and he says, listen, uh, the, the words that, that Jesus spoke, those words, they're the words of truth. And no doubt as he's pinning these words, those words were running through his mind. Now, now here's what's cool today, okay? Here's, here's what's awesome. This book that, that we hold in our hands, it might go by, by some different names. Some people call it the Bible. Some people call it the Holy Scripture. Some people call it the Holy Bible. But you know what this is? Above all things... It's the Word of God. And, and the Word of God, you know what it contains? It contains the words of God. His letter, His love letter to us. The stories that are contained in here, they're not just stories. They're accounts of the Scriptures. They're the Word of truth. We have it for us today. Jesus said it this way in John five thirty nine. He says, search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He says, these Scriptures have power to give you eternal life. When you open the words of this book, can I tell you, if you open, you're opening the words of truth the words of truth when you read these words when you study these words they have power to show you how you can have eternal life see why the while the rest of the world's religions tell you ways that you can attempt to work your way to heaven the bible the word of god tells you how you can accept the gift of eternal life that's through Jesus Christ and how you can have eternity in heaven. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says, I am the only way. It isn't your religion. It isn't your good works. It isn't your baptism. It isn't anything else that you can do plus anything else. He says, it's all me. It's all or nothing. He says, it's all me. I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 makes it very clear for by grace are ye saved through faith and then not of yourselves why uh, well it's the gift of god not of your works lest any man should boast in romans 5 8 the bible tells us but god commendeth his love he demonstrated his love toward us how while we were yet sinners christ died for us even though while you were in your sin jesus christ died on the cross for you oh what does that do well romans 6 23 tells us that the wages of our sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord it does not say through jesus christ and any other thing going to church giving money in the offering plate it doesn't mean being a good person and jesus no it's through jesus christ our Lord alone. How do you receive it? Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In verse 13 he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen friend, that is the power that's contained in this book. 
the power of the word of truth. And it's just as real today as it was on the day that James penned those words for those first century Jewish believers. And it's with that background in mind, that word of truth in mind, that James comes to verse number 19 and he says, Wherefore? Because of that truth, wherefore? And what he tells us, first of all, is how to hear the word of truth. I mean, this is going to be cool. Over the next two weeks, he's going to go through, he's going to tell us how to hear the word of truth and what we do with it, and he's going to tell us how to respond to it. It's going to be, it's going to be so good. Listen, he says, first of all, here's how to hear the word of truth. You came in this morning, you walked in the, in the doors of this morning, and, and you came in, you sat down in your seat, and, and you're ready to hear the preaching of God's word. Now let me tell you how you're supposed to listen, okay? How you're supposed to hear it. No, no, let me, don't let me tell you, let me tell you uh, what James says that you're supposed to do, okay? how he says it. The Bible says this in verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, I love that. For the third time by my count, James puts his arm around those young believers and he says, hey, hey brothers, hey, 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 hey beloved, bro- man, you know I love you. Come in here. I want to tell you something. Uh, okay, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He reminds them that he loves them. Before he tells them what he's about to tell them. Uh, I love that. He, it's, it's just like when you were a teenager and, and, you know, and you, you came to your parents and you were trying to sweeten up your mom and dad before you told them what you did. Right? You know, you come in and, and, and you try to, try to butter them up a little bit before you're going to tell them what, you know, the bad things that you did, the mistakes that you made, right? It's a good practice uh, to learn whenever you're a teenager, okay? It's a good practice to learn whenever you're an adult. Even this past week, I, I had a, a friend, a preacher friend, not, not, not uh, Jake Potter that was here, but some, somebody else that, that, I, that I reached out to and, and I said, hey, brother, and I, I, I just wanted to kind of challenge him on some things. I reached out to him, and the first thing I said was, hey, brother, you know I love you, and you know I pray for you, okay? I mean, it's a good way to butter things up before, you, before you're going to tell them. You know, uh, wives, it'd be good to, you know, I, I've been trying to talk Tress into this. It'd be good for her to bring me a plate of cookies before she tells me something, okay? I mean, that would be, that'd be all right, you know? I mean, she'd probably get her way with whatever she wanted if she would do that, you know? And uh, you guys can just pass it along to her, okay? Uh, listen, uh, he, he comes to him and he wraps his arm around him. He says, listen, I love you. No, I love you, brother. I mean, come on, you know that I care about you. Third time, 19 verses. I love you. But then what he does is he pulls these young believers in because he's about to tell them something. He says that, listen, it's a struggle for every man, (laughs) every person. He says this is going to be something. He's about to tell them how they should be hearing the word of truth. Look what he says there again in verse number 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to speak. To wrath. Can, can I put it in layman's terms for us? Okay. He says, open your ears, shut your mouth, and just relax. Okay? Just chill out. Don't forget what James has just told them. All right? If we worked our way through, he says, listen, you're going to be tried through persecution, through rejections. But listen, remember, God is, is good regardless. You're going to be tempted to doubt God's goodness through your testing. You're going to be tempted to sin. But don't even start down that road. Don't even err down that road. And everything, God is good. And everything that he allows, everything that he does, he is good. And, and he was so good that he gave you eternal life through his word. And about that moment, they were about to say, but they're about to offer up that defense. 
their response, their clarification of, of, of their situation and why it was different from, from other people's. And but, but, but wait a second, let me tell you about that. No, no. And about the time they're about to say that, James goes, shh, shh, don't talk. Just listen. I can hear my dad's voice when I was a teenager. My dad so lovingly brought me in and he said, Kyle, God gave you two ears and one mouth. So talk less and listen more. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Is it any wonder that God gave us two openings on the sides of our heads so that we could hear in all directions? And he gave us a tongue on the front of our face that he hid between two lips naturally closed in a jail cell of teeth that try to keep us from speaking, okay? God was trying to teach us something. Hey, be quiet and listen. Listen, it's a good principle to learn in life in general. So many times we're, we're ready to, to jump in at a moment's notice and, and give our opinion on things, right? You know, we're just ready to, to cut in and, and say, have you ever been in a conversation before where you're already thinking about the story that you're going to tell or, or what you're going to say before the other pe- person's even close to finish speaking? <laughs> you ever been there before? Is it just me? Maybe it's just me, all right? Uh, but, you know, I mean, you're, you're already a, a step ahead thinking about what you're going to say and, and you're not listening at all. Why? Because you're just ready. I mean, your tongue is, I mean, your teeth can barely hold it back. You're just, Yeah, you're just ready to just spit it out. You see, the worst is when it is something that's gotten under our skin. We're passionate about something that we're ready to, you know, just give a little piece of our mind about, right? You know, I mean, just just a little something. Something that we're passionate, something that, you know, like politics. You know, I mean, like, I mean, we we could bring that up and everybody's like, oh, yeah, let, I have an opinion. Let me tell you, okay, you know, and, and everybody's passionate about it. Let me tell you what I really think, you know, our perspective on something. Man, I tell you what, when we had kids, when we first had kids, we found out that everybody has an opinion on the way that you raise your kids. I mean, it's just the way that it is, right? Everybody's got their input. And oftentimes, it's, it's unwarranted. I mean, it's just, you know, they're just, let me tell you about oh, well, what you're doing wrong here, and let me help you out. And listen, sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, have you seen how your kids turned out? You know, it's just, it's the way that, it, no, I mean, everybody's got an opinion on things, and everybody's ready to just jump in and, and give their thought. And, and sometimes we get so stirred up, we're angry, we're, we're, oh, I just, you know, and you're just ready to, to burst out. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 13? It says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto him. You know what that, that, that proverb saying? It says, shh, shh, listen, just listen. Don't, you don't have to cut in, you don't have to, just listen. True desire for wisdom. Wisdom. Remember what he said all, all those, those times ago? He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upright. Not the true desire for wisdom opens the ears and closes the mouth. While this principle is applicable for all of life, James here is speaking specifically about something. He's specifically speaking about how to respond to the hearing of the word of God. That's why he said, wherefore? He says, listen, hey, this wonderful word of life, the speak the words of Jesus, the words of this book. He says, listen, I mean, it's, they're wonderful. They can give you glorification one day when you're in the presence of, listen, they're so wonderful. Wherefore, because of them, 
Let me tell you how you should receive them, how you should hear them. What's he say? Oh, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You see, it's human nature for the response to say, look, look at everything's happening in my life and to respond according to what we're going through. To respond with disputes. To respond with debating what was being taught. To respond with, with even anger. Can you imagine some of these fathers that maybe had watched their whole family's life taken right in front of them? And James looks at him and says, It's just the trial of your faith. God's just trying to perfect you. Stay faithful. Listen, God's still good. And listen, in that moment, look, I, I'm made of flesh and blood. I'd be looking and saying, yeah, but let me tell you how I really feel. James says, shh. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Verse number 20, James explains why responding in an anger to what God says is so unproductive. Look there in verse number 20. He says this, For the wrath of man it worketh not the righteousness of God. How many times do we try to justify things and say, well, it's righteous indignation. Okay, you know, isn't that, isn't that what we always say? Well, Jesus, I mean, he had righteous indignation. And we're just like Jesus, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's what we, you know, somebody cuts us off in traffic and it's righteous indignation. I mean, somebody, you know, is a, 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 you know the, we, we don't get the, way, the, the raise that we thought we were going to get. And so now it's righteous indignation, you know, and, and our kids aren't behaving the way that they're supposed to. So it's righteous indignation, you know, and we justify everything as righteous indignation when the truth is, is most of the time it's actually just anger. <laughs> very, very few times is it actually righteous indignation. James says here, he says, listen, your, your anger, when you, when you speak out, in the, he says, listen, it worketh not the righteousness of God. He says, it, God's not in it most of the time. Proverbs 25, verse number 28 tells us about this person. He says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. There's no protection for the heart of the person who finds themselves responding with anger and frustration. Listen to the teaching of God's word. James says if you're truly going to hear God's word, you have to actually listen. Be quiet and chill out. Friend, when you come to the hearing of preaching of God's word or the reading of God's word, you come with walls raised. That's really where we're getting at When you read the scriptures, you treat it like a buffet line, taking what you want and leaving the rest. See, the fried food tastes good, but it's the greens that are good for you, right? But we like to pick and choose. One of the things I love about preaching expositionally and systematically through the, the Bible is that we cover things that we wouldn't normally cover if we just rode the hobby horse every week, right? The, the hard part about preaching through the Bible, verse by verse, line by line, precept upon precept, one of the things that's hard about it is sometimes we come to things in my life that I struggle with and I don't want to preach on. And things that are hard to swallow in my own life. 
See, everybody's ready to amen when, when the preacher preaches on homosexuality or, or preaches against murder or, or, less, or government overreach. I mean, everybody's like, whoa, yeah, Parker there, preacher, let's preach on that for a little bit, right? In Sunday school today, we were over in Colossians, and, and he was going through, and he says, listen, uh, mortify in your bodies, you know, hey, be careful with, with, with adultery, and, and be careful with evil concupiscences, a word that I couldn't say, you know, be careful with all of these fleshly sexual sins, be careful with all these, and listen, most people in this room would say, amen, amen to that. And then a little bit later, it says, but also, and then he goes in and says, but anger and lying and, oh, oh, it's a little bit closer to home. You see, we're really good at pointing the finger to everybody else whenever things are maybe right at our heart. It gets a lot quieter whenever we preach on bitterness or, or unforgiveness or, or anger. When we touch on what the Bible says about things like worry, alcohol, pornography, addictions, things like that. You know what it often has, and maybe it's happening right now. All of a sudden, the walls go up. Be careful, preacher. Hey, I, I didn't come here to get my toe stepped on today, okay? Why don't you just take a step back for a minute, okay? Listen, uh, no, no thanks. Suddenly anger creeps in and, and you're ready for a fight. But you don't, you don't understand. You, you don't, <laughs> it's easy for you to say. You haven't been through what I've been through. You know, you know what, you're, you're probably right. But you know who does understand? God. And he's the one that inspired James to take that pen and to write these words. James says the word of truth that it gives you eternal life. He says, let me tell you how you should approach the hearing of it. Open your ears. Close your mouth. Keep the walls down. Because when you listen defensively, you never become more like Christ. You see, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And if we're going to become more like him, listen, when we're reading the scriptures, when we hear it preached, we must come with an open heart to the words of God. Now listen, I'm not saying that, that if somebody stands up and preaches a message and takes a verse and pulls a word out of context and says, plug and play. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. But I'm saying when a Bible is preached in context, when the word of God is read within the context of the scriptures, we have a choice. We can either receive it or we can reject it. And so many times we choose the latter. Yeah. Choose the latter. Just this morning as I was reading the scriptures, I'm reading through the book of, uh, of James. I was reading the entire book and the Holy Spirit began to pe- just to penetrate into my heart on some things. And I had a choice. It, just read through it or, or God, I needed that. I hope whenever you study the scriptures, when you hear it preached, the walls will come down. And you receive his word. He says here. Here's how to hear the word of of truth. He says. Be quiet. Open your ears. And keep the walls down. Then he says this secondly this morning. He says this is what you do with what you hear. Let, Let me tell you how to respond to it. Verse number 21. Says this. Wherefore. 
I, I like this. This is, fun to, this is a fun verse to read. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That's just, it's just a fun phrase, okay? And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. I mean, if you're like me, li- listen, you probably this week did not use the word superfluity of naughtiness whenever you were in conversation, okay? Listen, you didn't look at your kids or your grandkids and just, you look at them like, man, you were just full of the superfluity of naughtiness, okay? That's, that's probably, that probably did not leave your lips this week. But listen, it's, it's in the Bible and it says it here. See, once again, James uses, he begins this verse by saying, wherefore, okay? So, so now he's building upon what he just said. He says, okay, here's the, the word of truth. Wherefore, what should you do? This is the way that you listen to it, okay? This is the way that you receive it. This is the way that you, you, hey, keep the walls down. He says, wherefore, once you receive it, let me tell you what happens next. How to hear the word of truth. He says, I want to tell you what to do with it. He says this first of all, he says, lay apart. Lay apart. Look, Look there again. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. The word lay apart here, this is, this is cool, okay? It's, it has the idea of removing an old, soiled garment. An old, soiled garment. I didn't know he was going to be here. I, I'm going to tell a story or a, an illustration about uh, Tressa's Uncle Mark. And so uh, I didn't know you were going to be here, Uncle Mark, so this is not off the cuff, okay? This is free. But just, I, when they hit that cow uh, just a couple of days ago, I know, I mean, just from what they shared with us, that it was everywhere. I mean, the, the insides of the cow, I mean, covered them. And, and I'm sure it's a smell that you'll probably never forget in your, the rest of your life. And they said because of some of the injuries, they weren't able to, to wash them of it or take, you know, clean, the, clean them of that for, for a little while. They had to actually stay in that for, for a little while. I mean, the smell was just putrid. It was, it was grotesque. It was something that, that you couldn't, I mean, just, I mean, just absolute disgust, right? It was unbearable. What James here is saying is, is of great importance that we get it. He says to these first century believers, if you hear the word of truth like I'm telling you, your response should be to remove that, that filthy, and then he says superfluity of naughtiness. It just simply means an overabounding depravity. And, and he says it this way. He says that you're supposed to lay apart Remove that rope, that disgusting, filthy, grotesque robe that you're wearing. You know what he's getting at here? This is, don't miss this, okay? Because we, we miss this sometimes. He says, take off your sin. That, that's what he's saying here. He says the filthiness, the, the superfluity of nonsense, the abounding, I mean, just grotesqueness of your sin. You know what James is doing for us? He's giving us God's perspective of the sin that's in your life and that's in my life. You know what we do so many times? We like to put flowers on our sin. You, you ever seen those commercials where they would come in and they'd have the Febreze commercials, right? And, and they'd blindfold people and they'd have the, the couch out there and be, I mean, you're covered in all kinds of stuff. And, and they come in and listen, 
you know just like me that this is not real, okay? It just is not. But that, I mean, like, it's, I mean, just filth everywhere, right? And they come in with that, that Febreze spray and they, shh, you know, cover the, the thing. And then somebody comes in blind, blindfolded and they're like, it's in a meadow and there's flowers everywhere. And it's, and it's like, you are a liar. I mean, there's just no way, okay? Yeah, it doesn't cover up like that. What are they doing? They're, they're trying to cover up the stench, trying to cover up the smell, not, not cleaning the room. You know, maybe whenever you were a, a teenager, maybe, you know, you've probably done it before. I remember I, I've done it before whenever I was a teenager. You know, mom says to clean the room. What do you do? You grab all the toys, all the clothes and everything. You stuff them under the bed and you close them in the closet and you uh, close the door until it latches. And, and then mom walks in and, and say, look, it's clean. And then she opens up the door and it's an avalanche that comes falling out or whatever. Looks under the bed and there's a banana peel from, you know, three months ago, whatever it is. You know, what is that smell? You know, you can't figure out what it is. What did you do? You just tried to, you know, just tried to clean it up, just cover it up, just tuck it away someplace. You know what James is doing here? When he says this, when he says lay apart all all filthiness and, and superfluity of naughtiness, you know what he points to here? He's trying to get across just how wicked our sin is. Even the ones that we dismiss as being little sins. Even the ones that we pretend aren't a big deal. Even those ones like anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. and <sighs> He's bringing them to the forefront and he says, listen, you, you're acting like it's not a big deal. But when you receive God's word with your walls down... God can point to them and he shows you exactly what they look like. Exactly what they smell like. Oh, and listen, it's a stench you can't get out of your nose. It's a stench that's disgusting in the presence of God. God cannot, uh, he cannot handle it. He cannot take it. Hey, listen, we have a wonderful promise. When when we accept Christ as our Savior, listen, uh, God takes away that sin from us. But understand this, after you accept Christ... Your sin doesn't stink any less. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you can lose your salvation. It's a gift of eternal life that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's that's not what we're talking about here. In fact, John chapter number 10 makes it very clear. In verse 27 through 29, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. In case you miss what eternal life is, that goes on for a long time, okay? And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, he is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 13, one of the most powerful verses when it comes to our salvation and the security of our salvation, he says, if we believe not, even if after you're saved you reject him, he abides faithful because he cannot deny himself. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. And no matter what you do, no matter how much you scrub, listen, He cannot leave your body. He dwells within you. And even though you may reject Him, the Bible tells us here in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 13, that He will not deny Himself. Ephesians 1 tells us over and over again, listen, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of your purchase, redemption. I love 1 Peter. Verse number 3 of chapter number 1, he says, Blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us. You know what that is? You know what that is? That's salvation. He's begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What do you, what do, you do? You have to confess with your mouth. You have to believe with your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. 
Listen, you've been saved, he says. So what does he say about it? He says, you've been given an inheritance. And in case you wonder how long it lasts, just let me tell you. He says, first of all, it's incorruptible. Secondly, it's undefiled. Thirdly, it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven by you. And in case you thought that you could do something about it, he says, you're kept by the power of God, not yourself. By faith into salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. See, friend, according to the book, the word of truth, you can't lose your salvation. But let me tell you, friend, there's something you can lose. You can sure lose your relationship. See, Psalm 66, 18 says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Listen to the word of truth with open ears, a closed mouth, and the walls down. And respond when the Holy Spirit points out sin in your life that in the eyes of God is exceedingly sinful. And lay apart that filthy, disgusting garment of sin. That's what James is telling us here. He says, lay aside. And then he says this, receive with meekness. Receive with meekness what that engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Meekness is gentleness. It's, it's calmness. It's steadfastness. You know what it is? It's the opposite of anger. Meekness is not weakness. Listen, friend, Jesus Christ, he was meek. He was not weak. Jesus was a man's man. Sometimes you see pictures of Jesus and things like that. And he's just kind of this weak, frail little person. No, Jesus was a man's man. There is a reason that people followed him. He was a leader. He was a man's man. Jesus was not weak, but he was meek. He was calm. Jesus was steadfast. He was gentle. That's why he looked at those kids and he said, Late, suffer the little children to come to me. Jesus could rebuke the Pharisee. But he could hold out his hand to the child that came to him. Now here, this is cool, okay? Don't, don't miss this. He, he says this. Receive with meekness. And he says the engrafted word. I, I thought about just jumping over this. But this is so neat, okay? Don't, don't miss it, okay? The engrafted word. That word engrafted is the only time that, it, that this Greek word is used in the Bible. It's the only time. Anytime that the, the scripture says something and it's, it's only mentioned one time, oftentimes it's, it's to draw attention to it. In this case, engrafted has the idea of, of implanted. Something that, that maybe wasn't naturally there, but it's something that has been received. You know, just like maybe you've seen a tree that, that maybe they were growing, uh, you know, they were growing apples on it or something. And they graft in a, a branch of a different type of fruit and now it produces a, a mixture of these, these, these fruits, right? Uh, it was engrafted onto it. You know what he's talking about here? He's reflecting back on Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter number 13. Where he gives the story of the sower who goes out to sow. And the seed falls on four different grounds. He falls, some falls on wayside, some stony, and, and, and some thorns. And then some falls on the good ground. And at the end of it, he says this. He said, the seed is the word of God. You know what James is saying here? He, he's pointing to that parable of Jesus. And he points to that engrafted word. He's saying, listen, the word of God. This is cool. This is cool. Listen. He says, the word of God. That is preached, and your walls are down, 
And you're not responding in anger. You're not, not but, 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 no, no, no. He says you, you respond to it. You listen. You hear it. He says you receive it. He says you know what it does? It takes root in your heart. One of the hardest things for any person to do is to be honest with themselves about their sin. We heard this past week in the revival. I thought it was so good. It bears, bears repeating. Confession isn't for God because he already knows. Confession is for you to get honest with yourself. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. For this morning, when, when you hear the word of God preached or when you read the scriptures for yourself, let the seed of, of God's word find good soil. Take off the filthy robe of sin. Receive with meekness the wonderful truth of the scriptures. James has shown us clearly today what to do with the word of God. The question is, what will you do with it? It's uncomfortable to let walls down. It's uncomfortable why you're opening yourself up. Maybe to feelings that you haven't felt. Maybe emotions. Maybe a situation in your life that happened maybe years ago and you built walls up around your heart to protect yourself from that but you didn't even realize that there was something that you were holding on to that you've grown angry, bitter, uh, frustrated. I mean, there's unforgiveness that's deep in there that you've built walls around and you've said, oh, I can't deal with that. Why? Because it hurts. If I take those walls down, but when you take the walls down and you allow the truth of God's word to find good soil in your heart. Oh, there is so much liberty that comes from a clean conscience. Amen. And that's where you get to. When you can truly, you can truly, honest with yourself, Say, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. And listen, if there's something between me and someone else horizontally, then there's something between me and my Savior vertically. See, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second's like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe this morning you've been holding on to something. Maybe there's something in your life that maybe has been recent. But you've excused it away. You've buried it under the rug. You've hidden it away like it's not a big deal. And, and, and James comes here this morning and he says, Listen, I want you to see your sin exactly as God sees it. You're wearing a garment that is filthy, that's overabounding and wicked. It's disgusting. It's putrid. It's grotesque. You're covered in it. And I know with all of my heart that, Uncle Mark, you couldn't wait to get that off of you. There's nothing that anybody could pay for you to go and put that back on you again. And listen, friend, there's nobody in this room that would have said, you know, I think I'll just stay here for a while. 
I like this. And you know what? The smell, it's kind of growing on me. No, no, no. I got to get this off of me. This is disgusting. I'm covering this. Oh, people can't stand to be around me. Oh, it's just, oh. That's how God sees your sin. He says, lay it apart. Take it off. And receive with meekness. That engrafted word that takes root in your heart. Oh, in case you forgot. That word. It's the word that saves your souls. Oh, God's so good. This morning, let's get honest. Let's get honest with God. Let's get honest with ourselves. Let's take off that filthy robe and live with a clear conscience and a pure heart before God. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our service. We'll have a brief time where you can respond to the Lord. We call it an invitation. What's an invitation? An invitation is an invitation for you to come and to spend time with the Lord. Not with some preacher. Listen, I can't forgive you of any sins. I have no power of any. I have sins of my own. No, no, no. It's not about me. It's about you and your personal relationship with God. The Bible tells us that because of our relationship with Him, because we accept Him as our Savior, we can have boldness to come into the throne room of God ourselves. We're a royal priesthood. What a blessing. What a privilege. Maybe this morning it's been a while. Since you've done that. Maybe there's some filthiness. Maybe there's some sin that's, that's, that's gotten on, on you in your life. And, and you say this morning, i got to get rid of it. Maybe this morning, you're sitting in this room. Maybe you've been coming to Whitehall Baptist Church for a long time. But you've never truly accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Listen, friend, you're in your sin. And there's nothing that you can do to get rid of it. But God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on that cross for you. And you can accept the gift of eternal life. You can pray right where you're seated and you can ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. And listen, friend, he hears that prayer and he gives the promise of eternal life. Wherever you are this morning, whoever you are this morning, whatever you've gone through, whatever's in your past, friend, this morning, I hope today that you will put the walls down. Allow God's seed of his word to find good soil and walk out of here with a clean, pure heart before him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays and the Lord spoke into your heart, I hope you respond to it. Father, thank you for this time. Bless, Lord, this invitation time. Move our midst, work in our hearts, and we leave this place clean before you. We pray in Jesus' name. Heads bowed.